What's up, guys? We doing good? All right. I love it. True. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Hey, we got a chart and a whiteboard tonight. You guys just might learn a thing or two if you're not careful. Thanks, Keaton. Appreciate it. Glad you guys are doing well. Um, hey, I've had a, a message that has been heavy on my heart all week that I feel like um, I feel like isn't from me, but from the big man upstairs. And I'm just like, I've been waiting all week just to kind of get it out there so that it's not just me that's being haunted, but now all of us can be haunted together. I'm kind of kidding if it's your first night, don't worry. Um, but uh, man, I really feel like this is good information. And um, I feel like all of us are going to learn something tonight. I really do. But understand this, without the presence of God or the Holy Spirit in this place, that's all it is, is just good information. Without the presence of God here, this meeting, it's only a lecture in Christian karaoke. And none of us need another lecture or Christian karaoke. We need the presence of God because he turns information into revelation. Information might make you smarter. Revelation makes you more like Jesus. Amen? We experienced the presence of God a lot last week at the conference, and I'm believing, I'm really expectant that that's not going to stop anytime soon. And so one more time, just really quick, let's ask for it. Will you guys pray with me one more time? Heavenly Father, thank you for tonight. God, you, you've, you've done everything that we'll ever need. And if there's anybody in this room who's feeling um, unworthy or shame, God, I pray that you would blow on through and do all, what only you can do tonight in this place, God, and turn condemnation into your sweet conviction, turn stress into peace, turn despair into hope in this room. Give us your presence for your glory. We pray all of that in the name of Jesus, amen. All right, right up front, um, I'm going to go ahead and give you my title for all of you note takers. It's on the screen behind me, but um, any Friday Night Lights fans in the room, loud and proud. Okay, I love it. What's the saying that they do before every football game? Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose, right? Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. Well, tonight I'm going to fulfill a little dream I've had for about two years of being like Coach Taylor. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to um, change that saying just a little bit to biblify it just a little bit. And it's going to change to thick skin, soft hearts, can't lose. And so every time I say thick skin, soft hearts... Thick skin, soft hearts. Okay, I love that. That might happen tonight 2,000 times because I love you that much. So just be ready. All right, let's do this. Story time. We're going to start with a story. When I was 13 years old, I started playing the guitar because of Tom DeLonge from Blink-182. And um, I grew out my hair. I started cussing. And I went and bought a Seafoam Green Fender Stratocaster and in the period of like three months learned every single Blink-182 song that exists, which sounds impressive, actually not that challenging. That's like the equivalent of saying I learned every one of Taylor Swift's songs, all right? Really, you need G, D, E minor, and C in a capo, you can play every one of her songs. I'm not dogging on her, girl can write a song. All right, I'm just saying they're easy to play, okay? I love Taylor Swift. I will blast teardrops on my guitar in my car with the windows down any day, okay? With a non-fat mocha frappuccino in my hand and no shame. I love me some T-Swift. I'm just saying her songs are easy to play and so are Blink-182 songs. And so anyways, I say all that to say it's a Saturday and my little brother Ryan and I are hanging out at Guitar Center, the one over by Park Meadows, and we are, we are playing guitars that we cannot afford and we're walking around dreaming about all the equipment that we're going to buy to fill our private studio that we're going to build by the beach one day when our band blows up, right? Hasn't happened yet and it never will. 
because sometimes dreams just die. Let's pray. God, help us to let go. I'm kidding. You're like, that was the most depressing fight. I'm glad I came for that. All right, I'm in Guitar Center, and I'm not kidding. This happened, okay? I'm sitting in the middle of Guitar Center on a bench playing one of my dream guitars, just playing a Blink-182 song that I just learned as a 13-year-old kid, okay? And I kid you not, this guy, 30-year-old guy, walks by with his girlfriend that he must have been trying to impress or something like that, looks at me playing Blink-182 and goes, Blink-182, that's cute, and then keeps walking. I'm not kidding. And it like, I was like, what a jerk, right? I'm th- sorry, I'm 13, dude, and you're 30. And it like hurt. Like every insecurity inside of me was triggered when he said that. It's like that dude um, took my soul and need me in my soul's region, you know? It just like hurt in a way that I couldn't explain why it hurts so bad, you know? And I'm older now. I can look back and realize how funny it is. I'm like, Dude, you're 30. First of all, you're old enough to be my dad. Sorry, I'm 13, and I'm playing a Blink-182 song I learned two weeks ago on an instrument I started playing three months ago. Sorry. Like, is your girlfriend really that impressed by you? Like, way to go, babe. You showed that 90-pound eighth grader what's up. So hot. I love you. I hope they're married. Those two deserve each other, if that's true. (laughs) It's like, we all go through that phase. If you're a guy in here and you're a musician, typically it's in college where you grab your acoustic guitar, go out to the quad on a sunny day, take your shirt off and play John Mayer songs for some unsuspecting female that's walking by and has no idea that you only know four chords. Ladies, do not fall for it. It's four chords. It's so easy to do. Don't fall for it. But uh, like, that's just it. It's a phase. You're 30, dude. Get over it, right? And so I'm over it now. I'm just venting one last time to you. But here's what I now know. The reason it hurt me, like to the core, so badly it stung, is because I had thin skin and a hard heart. Translation, I was easily offended and not very good at loving people. And it's funny that the same reason I was offended was the same reason this guy felt the need to make that comment, thin skin and a hard heart. He was easily offended and insecure, like all of us are insecure, not very good at loving people, for some reason felt the need to build himself up by putting somebody else down, and he found the easiest target in the room for which to do that. Thin skin and a soft heart. I'm sorry, thin skin and a hard heart. And I know now that that, that, that is why, and, and I'm older now, I see how ridiculous it is, but, but here's, here's the point I'm getting at right now. Like, what do, we do, what do we do with the fact that people, like this guy, and me, and you, hurt each other? We're in a world where we say things, whether it's unintentionally or intentionally, where we hurt each other. Sometimes we mean to wound each other, right? And oftentimes it's not physically, but it's like a soul kind of wound, and we mean to do that. What do we do with the fact that we are called to love each other unconditionally, that we are called to not keep a record of wrongs in a world where there are so many wrongs that people bring against us? Because Jesus says this in Matthew 22. He says this, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. That's awesome. This is the first and greatest commandment. And a second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law, depends everything, all the law, and all of the prophets. And so how do we love people in a world where people hurt each other? God's easy to love, right? Because he's invisible, and oftentimes, like he doesn't speak to you audibly, and he's always awesome. 
But people are right in front of you. People are up in your business all the time, right? People say things that hurt you, and people are not always awesome. And so how do we love each other in a world where people hurt each other? How do you remain unshaken when people critique you? How do you respond well when a friend calls you out in love? How do we love a world that hates us? And Paul gives us a little bit of an answer in Colossians chapter 3. It's not going to be that comforting, but it is something. Here's what he says. Bear with each other and forgive one another. Bear with each other. Forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. So bear with each other. I would say hang in there with each other. Stay. Don't leave. Give each other the benefit of the doubt. Assume the best in each other always. Bear with each other. And so here's the goal, and here's where I'm getting with this. I guess the goal for you as a Christ follower on your journey of faith as you continually pick yourself up after you knock you down, the world knocks you down, somebody in your life knocks you down, is that somehow your skin would get thicker and your heart would get softer. That your skin would get thicker and your heart would get softer. So rather than becoming jaded or offended or surprised or insecure in who you are and in whose you are, that we become more difficult to offend, more confident, and more sure of whose we are and who we are, and better at loving people. Thicker skin and softer hearts, because thick skin, soft hearts. Thick skin, soft hearts. I love it. You're making Coach Taylor proud. Promise. So here's, here's how I want to explain it. I have a graph right here. Thick skin, soft hearts, can't lose is in that top corner. And so here's what this is. This axis right here represents the health of your heart. And I'm not talking cholesterol. <laughs> I don't know why I did that. I thought it'd be funny to... I want to laugh that like people recognize. They know I'm in the room just because I laugh. <laughs> This is, okay, the Bible talks a lot, a lot about the, the beauty of having a soft heart. That's a healthy heart, right? Let Jesus rule your heart. It also gives a lot of warning against your heart growing hard, your heart moving in this direction. And then this axis right here is your skin, the thickness of your skin. So is your skin thin? Like, are you easily offended? You get knocked down easily when people say things, when the world does something, or is your skin thick? Is your faith durable and resilient? Thick skin and soft hearts cannot lose. What is your skin like? Because here's what Proverbs 19.11 says. Good sense makes one slow to anger. Good sense is to be difficult to offend as a Christian, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. The ability to overlook an offense is a great thing. That thick skin is something that we as Christians should strive for. And so, I guess the goal up here is in the top right corner. Thick skin and soft hearts cannot lose. This is where you live a life as an effective and powerful Christian with much to share and very little to guard, right? So Jesus would be the ultimate example of somebody who is up, we'll put him in the very top corner. Somebody who is up in this quadrant. And we're going to finish with him tonight. We'll get back to that. And down here, thick skin and a hard heart. You have a thick skin. Like you're, you're durable. You're resilient to the world. You're effective. But you have a heart that's not very good at loving people or showing 
compassion. And then if you're up here, you've got a heart, man, that's good at loving God, good at loving people, but you have thin skin and you're easily offended and you're not quick to get up, right? And you tend to, like, if you're in that quadrant, you tend to sulk and when people are like, dude, are you okay? I'm fine. Are you sure? I'm fine. Yes. Like, you're just fine, even though you're not fine, right? And then down here, thin skin with a hard heart always loses. And what this quadrant represents is a seed that every single person in this room, myself included, is born with deep in our hearts. And if the gospel doesn't destroy it for us, it will eventually surface. But we'll get back to that too. So notice, nobody gets off the hook here in this room when it comes to this chart. You're, you're probably really good at one of those things and then really, really bad at the other thing. So the playing field has been leveled. All of us are in this together, okay? But just because you find yourself in a specific place on this chart does not mean you have to stay there, does not mean that that's where your journey is going to end. In fact, Jesus would call you not to stay where you are at. With the weapons of grace, we have the power to move from wherever we are at in this direction. Because as a community of people who are striving to live lives that look more like Jesus, we strive to head towards thicker skin and softer hearts because thick skin, soft hearts. All right. So David, we'll start with this quadrant right here. David, other than Jesus, is like a really, really good example of somebody from the Bible who lived with thick skin in a soft heart. So David, he had a soft heart, man. He was good at loving people and really good at loving God. He was known as a, a man after God's own heart. He wrote 73 out of the 150 psalms, which are songs of emotional highs and emotional lows, right? Joy and tears. And he wrote 73 of them, all right? So David, and he played the harp doing it. So you'd see David sitting around a fire at night, strumming on his harp with no shirt, oftentimes crying and writing poetry. But that dude had thick skin too, okay? Like you could not offend David. The only way you could get David to fight back was if you belittled his God. And if you belittled his God to him, he would either rip your head off or conquer your kingdom. And I'm not kidding. Read the, read the Bible. It's crazy. I would not recommend doing that now. You will go to jail. If people belittle your God, share the love of Jesus with them. That's the new covenant equivalent to killing people, all right? <laughs> so David was this man, right? Like, he had a harp, he played it with his sheep and wrote poetry, but he also could rip your face off. So if you walked up like, cool harp, David, <laughs> dead, right? <laughs> Why? Because thick skin, soft hearts can't lose, okay? So what does it look like? And right here, I guess this is the quadrant where you can unconditionally love a world that hates you because you know who you are and you know whose you are, when no comment can touch you, even when that comment is meant to pierce your heart. And so what does it look like, I guess, to, to be down here? Thick skin and a hard heart. Really quick, Modern Family fans. So Jay, the grandpa from Modern Family, would be down here, right? I love him. I love Jay. And so Jay He's kind of refreshing because he says it how it is and, and doesn't take crap from anybody, but he's also not very good at showing compassion, right? And then Cam, you know Cam, who I'm talking about? He would be up here, just the opposite, with the biggest heart in the world, but easily offended by absolutely everything, right? Those guys are polar opposites. It's funny because if you're up here, like if people say they don't like your outfit, you either get really quiet or you start crying. If you're down here and people say they don't like your outfit, 
you cuss them out either audibly or somewhere deep down in your hard heart, right? <laughs> and it's funny, people who are up here tend to really get annoyed with people who are down here, and people who are down here tend to really get annoyed with people who are up there. Either that or they fall in love with each other. It's one of the two, like every single time. And so just to kind of bring this modern family theology full circle, if you could somehow take Cam's soft heart and put it somewhere beneath Jay's thick skin, that's a picture of Jesus Christ is what it is. And so <laughs> modern family theology right there. So we'll get back to this. So thick skin, hard heart, can't love. So when you're down in this quadrant, you're not easily offended, which is awesome, but you also have an inability to really see people. And here's what I mean by that. When you get hurt by somebody and somebody does something that, that hurts you or causes you pain, the reality of it is, is that that person is probably in pain or hurting or insecure, and that's why they did it. So it really has a lot more to do with them and a lot less to do with you, but you can't see that because you're blind to it because of a hard heart, right? So like maybe you got really hurt or crushed in a relationship and your defense mechanism since then has just been to develop thicker and thicker skin until now you're like a turtle in its shell, super protected, crying out to the world like, world, you can't hurt me anymore. And you're absolutely right. But the price you pay is a heart that hardens and grows dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. When you're in this bottom quadrant right here, oftentimes when you cannot celebrate the successes of other people, especially in a season where you yourself are not having a lot of victories in your own life. Even if it's somebody close to you and they have a victory or a success, on the externally you can celebrate with them, but internally you cannot genuinely celebrate with that person, right? Or people who tend to be different than you or dress differently than you do, have different interests, think differently, live differently. For some reason, you see it as kind of a threat, and, and the main thing that you have to do is make fun of them, not necessarily to their faces, but oftentimes behind their backs for some reason. Ultimate example, Republicans and Democrats. And I, I don't care which one of those you are. I, I could not care less which one of those you are, but... In our wonderful nation, we are free to disagree with each other, and disagreement is actually a very, very, very healthy thing. It's awesome. But when you go past that and you feel the need to make fun and take cheap shots, you might be showing off the fact that you have thick skin, but you're also revealing a very, very hard heart full of fear and insecurity, and for some reason you see differences in other people as a threat to you. Is what, like, that's what you tend to... And so if this is you, and I'm down here with you, if this is you, okay, just to be vulnerable right now, but if that's you, I want to encourage you and then call you out really quick in two sentences. If this is you in this bottom quadrant, your thick skin is an incredible weapon for the kingdom of heaven, an incredible weapon because you're durable, you're resilient, and you don't get knocked down easily. And man, you'd be so much more powerful and effective as a Christian if only your heart was softer than it is, if that's you. Saul of Tarsus, before he was the Apostle Paul, he was down here. And then in Acts chapter 9, Jesus literally knocks him off of his horse on, his, on the road to Damascus, changes him completely. So the Apostle Paul, once upon a time, was down here with the thickest skin ever and the hardest heart, murdering Christians and doing everything that he could to thwart the efforts of the early church, all of a sudden, Jesus intervenes and Paul becomes, Saul becomes the apostle Paul and moves up here and that's when he began to change the world, right? Is when he moved in that direction via Jesus Christ. So that's the bottom 
right. Or maybe you're up here and you have a soft heart, but you also have thin skin. Your heart is soft and your heart also what that means is that your heart is healthy. And so your heart can worship easily. I just love how that sounds. You have a heart that worships easily. You have a heart that celebrates victories in other people. You have a heart that feels joy in situations that weren't joy and a heart that feels that, that, that mourns in situations that warrant tears, and a heart that laughs when things are funny, right? Your heart is healthy, but at the same time, like you, you're up here and you know whose you are, you know who you belong to, but you don't necessarily fully get all the time who you are in Christ, which is why you have thin skin. And you're easily offended, you're easily knocked down, and people, even your closest friends, can't call you out even out of love when they want to see you be better because you're just too easily offended. You can't be talked to because it's not going to go well. And you're uncomfortable right now because I'm using you as an example in the sermon because your skin is thin, right? Peter was actually here too, the Apostle Peter. So you have good company. The Apostle Peter started there on the night that Jesus was crucified that night, Peter had the biggest heart ever, man, loved God, loved Jesus with all his heart, loved people really, really well. But on the night that Jesus was crucified, Jesus, or Peter denied knowing Jesus to a 14-year-old girl at a bonfire because he was afraid of the consequences of what it would look like to, to follow Jesus, right? Thin skin, he ran from it. But then, here's what happened. You start reading the book of Acts, and all of a sudden you see a shift in Peter because all of a sudden now, even in the presence of facing prison and facing death threats, Peter is traveling around the known world preaching messages to huge groups of people and seeing thousands of people saved all at the same time, and he's building the early church. He's carrying that on his back. He's the rock on which Jesus decided to build the church and is the reason that we are even in this room tonight. And because of Jesus and the weapons of grace, Peter moved from this quadrant to this quadrant because of Jesus. And so if this is you and you have a soft heart but you have thin skin, I'm going to do the same thing for you and I'm going to encourage you and call you out lovingly in two sentences and tell you your soft heart is such a weapon for the kingdom, your ability to love well God and others and show compassion is such a weapon for the kingdom of heaven. And you would be so much more powerful and effective as a Christian if only your skin was a little thicker and you weren't as easy to offend and stop. And so that's those three quadrants. And then finally, we have the bottom left where there are zero redeeming qualities, right? Tran or, uh, exhibit A, Connor Grimm would be, I'm kidding. <laughs> Connor would be down here. I'm kidding. Some of you are offended that I said that, and that's because. <laughs> Connor, actually what Connor is, is, is what you would call a, a giant teddy bear, softest heart in the world, and I can stand up here and make fun of him all day. His confidence is affected this much because he also has incredibly thick skin. But down here, thin skin and a hard heart, there's no redeeming qualities, right? So you could throw Satan down there, I guess, but another example, if you've seen Gladiator, if you've seen Gladiator Commodus, 
is a perfect example of somebody who's down here. Like, in a lot of movies, the villains, they have some kind of redeeming qualities, and we're like, I kind of like you, even though I know I'm not supposed to like you, but Commodus, you have no problem hating, because he was all about himself, the hardest heart in the world, cared nothing for anybody else, and at the same time, incredibly thin skin, and was so easily offended, and whines and complains the entire movie, and you're so happy when he dies at the end of the movie, because he's in this bottom corner, there's no redeeming qualities, right? And so what did I... I said in the beginning that this bottom quadrant is a representation of a seed that every single one of us is born with, somewhere deep down below the surface. And if it's not dealt with by the gospel, one day it will surface, and when it does, bad things happen. All right, this is the old man, this seed right here, this quadrant. And sanctification is the process of Jesus weeding out this quadrant in your heart, right? That's what sanctification is. That's why oftentimes the most sanctified and powerful and effective Christians are often the ones who have gone through the fire, which is why James says in James chapter 1, he says, man, somehow, guys, you can rejoice when those trials, when those fires, when those storms and those valleys come your way because it's destroying this seed, and all that's going to be left is more freedom, more effectiveness, more love for people leaving you more difficult to offend. So King Saul from the Old Testament, King Saul, like all of us, was born with this seed deep in his heart, right? Except for King Saul, it was never dealt with. And then Saul one day was made king, and all of a sudden he had money and fame, he had power, and all of a sudden that seed came to the surface and destroyed him which is what it does, which is, so I guess you could say this, like if for some reason you feel like God is withholding any of those things from you, success, power, it might be because it's the grace of Jesus Christ protecting you from a seed that's still in here that has not been dealt with that one day will surface and destroy you and a lot of other people around you in your life. Because for Saul, he became king, that seed surfaced, destroyed him, and almost took down an entire nation until King David took over after. And David, just like us, just like Saul, was born with the same seed, the same quadrant in his heart. But David, as a young adult in his 20s, and I'm not kidding, allowed God to deal with it within him, leaving only this right here. And David became king, and yeah, David had his imperfections just like we all do, but he's also remembered as the giant killer and the great king in the lineage of Jesus Christ because thick skin, soft hearts, that's right. So, Ben, you guys can join me on the stage right now, and I want to finish with this question right here. If thick skin... And soft hearts can't lose, then how do you get there, right? How do you get thicker skin while simultaneously developing a softer heart? Because it's not by trying harder. It's not by, like, mustering thicker skin or a softer heart. I promise. The answer, and this shouldn't surprise you since you're, in fact, in church tonight, is Jesus and looking to him. And I'm going to explain to you specifically what I mean in regards to this exact question. So if you have your Bibles really quick, we're going to land the plane tonight in Luke chapter 23, starting in verse 32. While you're going there, I will um, kind of paint the picture a little bit and get you caught up. Jesus came to serve people, and you knew we were going to get back to Jesus, right? Jesus came to serve people and then die for the very people that he came to serve. And at this point where we're at in Luke 23, on Jesus' earthly journey, it's almost over with the most painful part 
right in front of him, all right? Jesus has been arrested. He's been beaten. He's been stripped naked in front of his family and friends and made fun of. He's been whipped. He's been flogged to the point where the Bible says he was barely recognizable as a man. And now at this point, Jesus is carrying the cross that he's about to be nailed to on his back up a hill to be crucified. And we pick it up in verse 32. Luke says this, two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. And the people stood by watching but the ruler scoffed at him saying, he saved others, let him save himself if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, if you are the king of the Jews, then save yourself. And so let's just recap here. Jesus left paradise in heaven to come to this broken planet interject himself straight into the middle of the mess to live a perfect life and die as a perfect sacrifice for you and for me, fully aware that this day in this moment was coming. In fact, he intended it to. Make no mistake, Rome did not capture him. He voluntarily walked back into Jerusalem straight into those handcuffs, okay? And after they mocked him, after they stripped him naked, after they beat him and made fun of him and spit on him, and flogged him to the point where you could not recognize him, they threw him onto the ground on top of a piece of wood and readied themselves to nail him to that piece of wood. And in that moment, what does Jesus do? What does he start doing in that moment? He starts praying for the people who are crucifying him. In that crying out, God, Father, they, they don't know what they're doing. They don't get the bigger story. They don't really know who I am. They're just broken people. They're just people who are hurting. They're people who are desperate. So God, please forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I mean, what, what's Jesus, what does Jesus have in this moment? Skin that's thick enough to voluntarily walk into an undeserved crucifixion and a heart that's soft enough to pray for the very people who are doing it to him, right? I mean, what kind of, like, what are we talking about here with this God that we have? Like, with how easily offended we are as a church. Like imagine that you're Jesus and you're, you're laying after being beaten, bloody, bruised, crushed, and you're laying on this piece of wood and somebody stretches out your hand and pulls your arm out of its socket and you look over and it's a Roman soldier in his mid-20s and he's got a nine-inch nail and a hammer and he's about ready to nail you to this piece of wood to kill you and you know you're not gonna get out of this and you start praying for him you start crying out to God saying, Father, he doesn't know what he's doing. He's just, he's trying to break me because he's broken. That's all this is. So please, God, please. Like, what are we talking about here with our God? What kind of skin does this Jesus have? What kind of heart does this Jesus have? How big is this gospel? When we are so easily offended by the world and he's in that situation completely unoffended and emptied of himself. We get offended when people critique us. We get offended when people live lives that look different than ours. We get offended when our friends call us out. We get offended when the world acts like the world. We get offended when Starbucks has their holiday cups. We get offended at Disney for having a gay character in their new movie. Like the world is supposed to act like the world. Why do we get offended when that happens? As if our taking offense to it is gonna do anything to change it at all. 
There is no force and there is only one. There is one force in this world that is powerful enough to change hearts and transform the way things are and it is not taking offense. It is not self-righteousness or anger or bitterness or even truth. It is love and love alone. And absolutely, the world needs truth, but love sets the table for that truth to be served. Without love, you have nothing. With love, you have everything. Love is the only thing that changes people. Love is the only power that can reach a lost and dying and broken world. Love is what your friends need and you taking offense to something serves nothing but to just slow that love down our thick skin is the armor that gets that love to a lost and dying world amen love is the only thing like my friend Emily in one of her recent blogs she said as Christians we are the good friction going against the world that good friction is a love that the world is not used to. It is otherworldly and so necessary. So I'm picturing Jesus in that moment about to be nailed to the cross and I'm going, what is he thinking in that moment? What's going through his mind? And I honestly, I have no idea, but I can tell you he was unoffended and emptied of himself. And my guess, he was probably thinking, he was looking over at this young 20-something Roman soldier holding a nail in his hand and going, son, just do it. Drive that nail straight through my wrist because that nail is going to help accomplish something that you would not believe even if I told you. And I have loved you since before you were born. I know every single hair on your head and I will love you even when it hurts. I will love you even when my love for you sends nails straight through my flesh. I will continue to love you until you're forced to feel it, until you're forced to realize that there is a God, that he is me, that I am good and I'm not gonna stop being good no matter what kind of jabs you bring in my direction because with thick skin and soft hearts, that spear is not gonna touch me even when that spear pierces my side. With thick skin and soft hearts, you are invincible to nails even when those nails kill you. And so is our gospel big enough and powerful enough to love a world that stands in direct opposition to it and not be offended? Well, if our God is big enough to go through that for millions if not billions of people who will never care and not be offended, then yeah, it is. Would you guys stand to your feet? So I will fix my eyes on Jesus, knowing I am his, right? And letting that reality soften my heart. And I will follow Jesus, knowing who I am in him letting that reality thicken my skin and understanding that if there's something that doesn't offend or worry a holy and perfect God who has every right to be offended, then it doesn't need to offend or worry me either. Paul went from here to here because of Jesus. Peter went from here to here because of Jesus. This quadrant, this seed is destroyed inside of us by Jesus leaving us with what? Thicker skin and softer hearts, ready to love a world until that world is forced to never be the same again, until that world is forced to never be sane again. Because thick skin and soft hearts, what? Thick skin, soft hearts.
One more time, loud and proud for Coach Taylor. Thick skin, soft hearts. All right, you guys, let's sing some songs.